There's so much going on in healthcare. It's stressful and challenging to take it all in and keep it all straight, not to mention the time it takes to review and understand everything. But today's your lucky day. For some reason, Sue and I love talking about the nuances and complexities about all things PHI. So we decided to share our conversations in a relaxed, fun atmosphere. Twice a month, we'll get together, occasionally include industry experts, and focus on stripping down the complex issues and getting to the core of what really is important, the human side of PHI. So if you enjoy healthcare and PHI as much as we do, join us and let's start talking about PHI. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Today's topic is, what's your role in your staff's PHI education, the benefits and how much is enough? Since this is our first time with you all, let's start with introductions. I'm Catherine Vai, and my co-host is Sue Chamberlain. Sue, tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. So my background, I have about 30 years in the HIM field, and I have served both on the physician side as well as in the hospital side and in education. So I come at this from a couple of different settings. Um, and when I talk, I tend to even, you'll hear me talk and give examples from both settings, from both types of perspectives. I also, and part of the reason why I was excited about talking about education is I actually have my master's in um, technical career and technical education. So it's working with people on the job and teaching them how to do their job better. So this is kind of a fun focus between that and again, years in the classroom, working with um, HIM and support staff education as part of that as well. And Kat, I turn it back to you. Awesome. So I've also been in healthcare and marketing for about 30 years. Um, I worked in uh, the clinical space, the medical device space, transcription and release of information. And recently I've even worked in the ortho the Dante, um, the ophthalmology, excuse me, area. So, you know, I've, I've kind of touched um, marketing and healthcare from a lot of dis different aspects from speaking to hospitals and clinics and um, from the uh, provider side. So um, I like to think about um, and talk about PHI from the human perspective and also from the education perspective, because I think that as a marketer, a lot of times folks are thinking, oh, you just want to sell information to folks, which is ultimately what every, you know, um, vendor organization wants to do. But I am really focused on education. Uh, I spent a lot of time um, doing uh, surveys and interviewing um, HIM and um, uh, healthcare professionals and um, mostly what they want is information to help them make smart decisions. So starting on this topic was um, uh, really uh, a good choice and exciting for me. And then also, you know, bringing in PHI, because of course, again, like we were saying, PHI is all about the human experience in the healthcare, um, in the healthcare field. So why do we want to talk about PHI today, Sue? So let's start with exactly what is PHI. So the technical of PHI is actually protected health information. But what Kat and I are really going to focus on is taking it more to the person, the personal health information. 
the how it's impacting the patients. And what a lot of times people even in healthcare, but patients outside of healthcare don't even understand how some of it works, what it could mean if their information is released when it shouldn't be, how it could impact their lives. Um, you know, we've talked, Kat and I have talked about how a lot of people um, don't realize that one of the huge crimes now, I mean, we talk about identity theft, but people even taking your personal health information and what that could mean, what that could mean to your care if your medical record, your health information is not accurate. So there's a lot of different aspects. There's different laws that are gonna be changing, a lot of different things that are going on. So we really wanna talk about making sure that everybody understands how important PHI, and in this case, personal health information is in all different settings and how it impacts the patients, the providers, payers, what gets paid, how it gets paid, everything. So we're gonna be looking at this over time from a lot of different perspectives, just to try to help everybody understand how it works throughout the industry. Yeah, the value of PHI, and when I say the value, and it's the value to bad actors of PHI is, um, just read something very recently that it's 10 times greater than uh, credit card information and financial information, because with PHI, you can build a whole persona and you can um, then um, get care, get drugs, get prescriptions um, with that persona. Someone was saying that a, a complete medical record has a value of you know a thousand dollars, whereas credit card information is five dollars or something. So it just shows the value, and and because it has value to those bad actors, those you know hackers and people that are getting that information, um, getting people to understand the challenge of getting information quickly, getting information expediently, and and you know um, uh, getting it timely is um, it's almost like this uh, uh, counterbalance in terms around security to make sure that you're getting the information to the person who actually uh, must have it and not some you know stranger who can do something with it because you know people worry a lot about their social security number but you got to also uh, uh, worry equally about all your healthcare data so you know um, you know knowing that and sharing that with from the patient perspective, as well as putting a lot of um, security and, and understanding the, the HIPAA law and HIPAA guidelines and things like that uh, are so equally important. So, so who should be worried about um, HIPAA and Everybody. PHI? Everybody. So, and, and that's the thing is that if we look at it from, because you're exactly right. When it comes to a patient, for example, who went to see their doctor and now they're going to be transferred to a specialist and they're going to go see a specialist about a problem that they're having. We want that information sent over that to that specialist as quickly as possible. And the benefits of them having the medical record for the patient is they're not going to re perform some tests again that are gonna cost money that they don't need to because they've already been done. They're going to know why they're supposed to be seen. And in a future uh, pot, uh, podcast, we'll talk about some of the things with documentation and some of the problems with electronic health records along those lines. But when we're talking about that, it's very important that the staff 
within the healthcare organization understands how important it is to get it there quickly, but also to keep it protected so that it can be intercepted. And you're absolutely right, Kat. It's a, a balancing act of trying to make sure it's secure and trying to get it there fast. And a lot of people, especially on the government side, don't understand that it's a lot more complicated than what it appears. An electronic record is not just pushing a button and sending it over. No it's easy button. No, no easy button. And so there's a lot of steps in it to make sure that it's secure, but, and the patients need to, there's a lot of times that I, I have talked to patients and they're like, I don't care if they know that I have a hernia. If anybody gets my records and finds out I have a hernia, who cares? Well, it's not just the fact that you have a hernia, it's your insurance information it's your identity, it's a lot of that information. So if they take your insurance information somewhere, it's one thing if somebody steals your, your identity and they open up a credit card, you have a huge headache to deal with. But what if somebody takes your healthcare insurance and pretends to be you? And now there's a medical record for a problem that you don't really have. What if the person who took it is HIV positive? And now suddenly your medical records are gonna have you as HIV positive and you have to try to clean that up. But here's an important one. So I had an example a while back where I had, and I, I don't remember because there's been so many of them, whether or not it was a, um, I think it was two people that knew each other. One stole the other's uh, insurance and got their insurance information. They were having severe abdominal pain and that kind of stuff. They took it. They went into the hospital, found out that they had appendicitis. They had their appendix removed. And they had that all done under this other patient's name. He pretended to be this other wow. patient. Well, the other patient was not aware of it. I apparently didn't see the bills come in, didn't pay attention to them, that they didn't have that health care. A lot of people will just pay the bills when they get them. And they ended up going to the hospital a couple of years later with severe abdominal pain. And they looked at the records, saw that he already had his appendix out. So they knew that that wasn't it. And it turns out that that's exactly what it was. And the pain went away after a short period of time when he was in the emergency room. And since the pain went away, they just figured it was some kind of gastritis. Well, what had really happened was the appendix had ruptured. And he ended up with severe um, peritonitis sepsis. and sepsis and yeah. all of that kind of stuff and almost died because his record, the doctors weren't, were not looking for appendicitis because he had already had it taken out when he actually hadn't. So yeah. it's those types of things that could, yeah, it's one thing when your financials can ruin you. It's another thing when your life can be taken away. You can be seen as a substance abuser because somebody's using your records to get drugs from different places. So there's a lot of additional layers of why we need to have that protection and why you need to make sure that your information is accurate. Well, that's all good uh, information. And that's scary. That's really scary, especially now. Uh, I can't even imagine with so many people today who don't have insurance and are desperate and are trying to go to the black market to get, you know, fake insurance and so on and so forth so they can have a thing because healthcare is expensive. Yes. So, okay. So now we've identified, you know, the why and the what and, you know, why it's got to be protected. But 
what about your staff and the whole educational component, the educational, because there's so much happening. Because if we think about the, um, the evolution of HIPAA, right? Let's start with that. What was it, uh, 1996 is when it uh, came out and then it was revised in 2009, then again in 2013. And then now, now we have um, potentially new uh, changes. So keeping up with all of those to make sure you're getting it right is a challenge. What what do you suggest as um, you know an uh, HIM you know uh, educator and and someone with so much experience? What do you, what do you suggest to your to the listeners about educating the staff and how often and how to you know keep it to make sure because the risk associated with not um, education educating your staff is is pretty high. Absolutely. So again, part of it is even just that culture of making sure that your staff understands that they are protecting not just a piece of paper that has to go from one place to another, but that they're actually protecting the patients and the health of that patient by making sure their information gets where it needs to and gets it there on time. So it's very important that as any of the things change as well, not only do we wanna educate the staff on it, but also educate, make sure you're educating yourself of anything with federal government, uh, things that they're putting out, like the new HIPAA law, there may be things you want to make comments about because they're going too far to make it easier for information to go, that type of thing. But when it comes to what you need to do with your staff, the big thing to remember is not only do you have to educate them, you have to make sure that they understand what you educated them on. And that's often a step that's missing. So by providing somebody and sending them out an, e an email telling them, hey, by the way, this is what we're going to do. That I guarantee you will never be enough. So as an educator, keep in mind that a lot of times people need to hear things. Some studies have shown they need to hear things seven times before they remember it. That's like in marketing. Exactly. <laughs> <That's well. laughs> you want to get it out there over and over again so people remember. You also have to remember that people learn in different ways. So yes, the majority of people in the world are visual learners. So they can read something and it will make sense to them and life is good. But then there's another huge subset like me. If I have to read instructions, I'm going to read them 10 times and still go, what? And if somebody says, you just need to do this, this, and this, or they read me the instructions, I can go, oh, got it. I am an auditory learner. My least is visual. Other people need to do it. They need to hear it or see it and then do it themselves. And once they do it, they get it. Now that's gonna be hard with some of the different things that you do, but if you can make sure that that information comes out in multiple ways. So for example, put the policy or whatever you want them to understand in writing as simple as you can. Talk to them about it in meetings. Follow up in the next meeting to see if anybody had any questions. Repeat it again. Follow it up in the next meeting. If you can, give them a little bit of a test. Give them a little bit of a ability to, if you can teach them something, have them answer some questions to show an understanding. And then the final step to make sure is you wanna go back and audit. You wanna go back and see where they were asked to do a new task or to understand something or to do it properly. 
are you sure that they did it that way and that they truly understand? Because most people will shake their head and say, yep, I got it. Yep, 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 I got it when they really don't. So you're going to want to make sure when you're educating your team, then the last part too is in some of your meetings, bring up situations that occurred, talk to them about, hey, how would you handle this situation? Or this came up, would any of you have handled it differently? How was the best way to handle it? Discuss it over and over again so that they really understand, first of all, it's important because you keep bringing it up. And secondly, it starts to create that culture of understanding that we're taking care of not how would you handle if you get an authorization that says this versus Mrs. Smith came in and I know all of you guys like her and she needed this to happen and this is what went wrong. So the more you can give those stories about your own patients that people know and how something negatively impacted them, their information didn't get to, so Mrs. Smith just got diagnosed with cancer. We did a biopsy on her. We sent her to the oncologist but her records didn't make it there in time and we had to cancel Mrs. Smith's appointment. Now she can't get in for a whole nother month and she's very, very worried hmm. because yeah. she doesn't know what needs to happen with the oncologist. So those are some very big steps and things to kind of consider when you're educating your staff. So let me ask you this, There's because, because there are different types of learners and uh, I, I would suppose for a larger organization, it might be easier to have all those um, components available um, so people can learn different ways, you know, so different staff members can learn different ways. Uh, what's your suggestion for smaller organizations? How do you identify the type of learner you have so this way you can um, have that information? And also, is it also, is another option to kind of just work with uh, companies that are, um, that, that are focused on specific tasks and then maybe they can pick up the learning or they can provide learning support? You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So it, it goes a couple of different ways. So some of the suggestions I gave, you know, are going to be in a big organization, you're going to want that on the departmental level. With some of the other things, like in a physician office setting, that's what you're going to want in your team meetings. And if you have a big physician group, do it in a couple of different team meetings, make sure that your leadership is on the same page, that type of thing. But one of the things that you're going to identify, so again, us being in the release of information side of things, you may realize that your staff isn't picking up with what you want and that you do identify that there's a risk there. And this is one of those areas that is a risk. There is a strong level of risk to the organization if it's not done right. And if you don't want that headache or you don't want to have to deal with knowing all the idiosyncrasies yourself to be able to pass on to your staff, that's when you do probably wanna look at outsourcing. So there were, in, in my career, being over medical record departments, health information management departments, or HIM, there were several areas that I would outsource because I did not want to deal with the headache and I didn't want to try to keep up on everything myself because my focus was more on, for example, the billing side and making sure that the money was getting in correctly. So 
that's absolutely another option. It, you still want your staff to have basic knowledge, but sometimes you can even have a vendor help you with that. Um, so for an example with ROI, if you have somebody show up at the desk, you wanna have a policy in place so that you know you're protecting them. If a police officer shows up, how do you deal with it? You know, that type of stuff for when they come into the office. But that's where, again, you can look absolutely at giving it to somebody who's an expert and spends all their time doing it because there are so many changes that occur, you know, and if you've got a field where there's a lot of changes, that is an opportunity to absolutely outsource it and not have to worry about that. Have somebody that, else that can teach you. Yeah, and that's that's across the board with all type of outsourcing. Absolutely. And, and do you believe that the outsourcing organizations or partners that you're with, do you think that they have some or could provide some relief with regards to the, not only the service, but the educational components? Uh, because they're probably laser focused on whatever it is, is transcription or, or revenue cycle management or release of information. They're probably laser focused on that particular, um, you know, um, uh, educational or, or, oh my gosh, what's the word? Uh, the, their focus. Um, so, their, so their specialty, yeah. their specialty. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, um, you know, is your expectation that they should also come to the table with education for the staff as well? Well, again, now I put on my other hat of uh, previous HIM director. That was one of the things I always looked for in one of my vendors. If I knew that I was outsourcing stuff, number one, I wanted to make sure that they understood what they were doing and taking it on and not just taking it on because they wanted to make extra money, for example. Um, you know, I, I would see that sometimes with some of the small, like a transcriptionist who wanted to do things, but they, that didn't necessarily mean that they understood all the rules and stuff behind it. And what they say is the best way to learn is to teach. So um, if they're capable of working with my staff and teaching my staff and having information available, then I, under, then I know they understand it. So I would often look for um, vendors that I knew could provide information. Well, um, we're getting toward the end and I, I thought we could kind of go over a couple of places where folks could get education above and beyond, you know, working with a particular vendor. Um, so I have, you know, there, there are about three things that I could, and I guess you can kind of go over with them, go over them. I think there's a HEOS, um, which is an organization focused on um, health information. Uh, uh, and then there's a HEMA and then also uh, healthit.gov. So if you could kind of just talk a little bit about those and the benefits of getting education from those uh, um, areas, that would be great. Okay, well, let me start first with AHIMA, AHIMA. So that's the, the group where I actually have my credentials through from uh, over the years. So it's the Amer uh, American Health Information Management Association. And they work even with legislators, everything. They are the health information experts, um, not only in our country, but in other countries as well. And they offer a lot of information. Some of it is, you know, you do need membership for, but a lot of it you can even just find online um, with information that they provide 
about certain rules and regs around that. Um, a HEOS is actually where, and it's where we have release of information vendors that actually work together. So even though they may be competitors, we work together to make sure that we all understand the rules, interpret the rules correctly, that type of thing, and work to make sure that we are protecting the rights of the patients. And they have a lot of information on their website as well. And I believe aheos.com, uh, ahima is ahima.org. And then um, health IT, there's, there's actually a few sites that the federal government puts out that makes things a lot easier to read where you wanna look for frequently asked questions. So your FAQs for uh, healthit.gov and even going to um, hhs.gov and a few others, when you go to those ocr.gov um, office of civil rights. When you put some of those in, they a lot of the places when you ask questions have really good sections that are FAQs that they actually take questions that people wrote in and answer them in English. So, um, and not government speak. So um, yeah, there's several sites that are out there that provide that information. Yeah, I think the, um, the, the lesson here is that education around PHI is always evolving and it's just it's just some it's a constant it's a constant because um, keeping up and knowing um, everything there is to know about keeping PHI safe will ultimately keep your organization safe and, and reduce risk and also you know protect your patients and you know make sure they're satisfied they're satisfied and they feel that you or, or taking every um, uh, taking every uh, measure possible to keep their information safe. Um, so with that, you know, uh, let me tell let me say that if you if you all have any ideas about future discussions or if you want to hear and get uh, information about some of the links that we're talking about, if you can email us at rrssocial at rrsmedical.com. We'll be, uh, you know, checking that regularly and, and uh, getting back to you. Sue or myself will, you know, provide responses. We also want to know what kind of topics you want to hear from us. Um, there, we love talking about PHI. We always, you know, Sue and I have been working together now for about two years. And, you know, we just find ourselves talking about PHI and, and, and patients and keeping that information safe. So to us, any, any topic is, it would be great. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. So uh, before I sign off, any last words, Sue? Nope. I just want to say, you know, listen for future podcasts as we do these as well, because we are going to go well beyond uh, release of information. We're going to look at how PHI impacts documentation and payment and all kinds of different things that um, hopefully you will find advantageous. And again, let us know what things you would like us to talk about. Thank you all of you that tuned in to Talking About PHI. Share your voice and ideas about what you want to know when it comes to PHI by visiting us on rsmedical.com. 
Talking About PHI is sponsored by RRS Medical, the leader in PHI transfer technology and solutions.